Well, we're so excited. Today, Kylie and I are joined by the legendary Midge Cross. She is widely accomplished in most mountain sports, including rock climbing, mountaineering, ultra running, cross-country skiing, ski mountaineering, cycling, and triathlons. I think that's actually all mountain sports. I don't even think, oh, ice climbing too, should have thrown that in there. Midge is the prime example of who we all want to be as we age as athletes. Midge, we're just so excited to have you on chatting with us today, hear your secrets about how you've stayed so healthy and fit throughout your athletic career. Thanks for coming on. And welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's what a pleasure to see you, Maya. I saw you just a couple of months ago. And Kylie, I have never met you. But next fall, when we have the coaches get together, I will hope that you will be there so that I can meet you. Kylie, yes, and I are, we were even scheming maybe seeing you guys earlier because we, we miss each other. <laughs> we want to come see you and Scott at some point. Um, Anytime. All right. So the first question I have for you Maybe you want to do your own intro to our audience. Tell us, you know, more about you. That was a quick, such a short little overview. I know you're so accomplished. But I think the biggest thing we wanted to start with was how did you get into mountain sports and what inspired you to do so? Well, gosh, well, well, who am I? First of all, um, I'm one of three 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 girls in my family. My older sister died a couple of years ago from ovarian cancer. We've had a lot of cancer in my family. Um, But I was so privileged as a child because every summer my mom would take the three of us girls to our house in northern New Hampshire and just let us go. And back in the day, there were no cell phones. There was nothing. My mother never worried about where I was all day. I'd be gone all day, every day. And I would show up around supper time and never grilled about where were you? Were you safe or all that stuff? So I was very lucky. Our house was just north of the presidential range in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. And I love those mountains. I've hiked on every foot of them many times. And um, I love the mountains. I don't think I would go back to New Hampshire to live because I love the West. I love the big space here. Now we live in Red Lodge, Montana. So what's not to like about that? So Mm -hmm. that's how I got into loving the mountains and wanting to be there. And, you know, I'm not, you maybe don't know, I'm not a particular, I'm not a religious person, but the mountains are where my spirit is nurtured. So, Mm -hmm. so I go there as much as I can. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Honestly, I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Midge, how did you, that was how you got started. How did you uh, get interested in kind of, you know, uh, taking it from hiking and running around to ice climbing and alpinism and a little more of the extreme stuff? Well, I moved to Colorado in, what, 1975, 1974, 1975 with my two young children. I was a single mom, Mm -hmm. and I took the Colorado Mountain Club mountaineering course. And Scott and I, the next year, Scott and I were both instructors, and I was assigned to him as his junior instructor. And, um, you know, what can you do when lust drives you places? So I learned to rock climb. I I ice climbed. I got out into the mountains. The first time we had to share a tent, Scott and I, he was quite shocked. I said, can I share your tent? He was like, nothing, no big deal. And he was saying, oh, I've never shared my tent with a woman before. And I thought, oh, my God, this guy is pretty weird. Um, so that's how it really started. And I just went on from there because I loved it. And mm-hmm. 
you know, I didn't do everything with Scott. I have never done everything with Scott, and I never will do everything with Scott. So I made friends who climbed and um, went places and just loved it. So that's that's really how. Nice. Yeah. No, I love hearing that it was that it sounds like it's a real intrinsic passion for you. And I, I really respect that, especially in women, because um, sometimes they just get into things because their partner does it. And it, it goes both ways. But um, I always love seeing a, a kindred spirit who's uh, intrinsically driven for their own passion. So that's really cool. And I think um, women, women can really support themselves in all of those ventures. And in Boulder, when I asked my friend Ruth if I could go climbing with her, she said, when you can lead 5'7", I'll go with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I do that. Yeah, that's good. Um, another question we had kind of with your mountain trajectory was, uh, who is someone who was an invaluable mentor or coach to you in the mountains? And then the second part is... Um, for people who are looking for a mentor, what were some of the qualities that that person possessed that they could look for as well? Yeah, well, Scott was my mentor because mm-hmm. we did a lot of fun and scary and adventuresome things. We climbed the Matterhorn. Mm-hmm. Um, we spent the night in the hut, and in the next in the morning, all the guides got up at some ungodly hour and they left, and we didn't leave the hut until around six. Then we summited that day got back down to the hut that afternoon, and um, it was a fabulous trip, just fabulous. So mm-hmm. I guess a lot of my initial mm, big stuff I did with Scott when I couldn't find, when I couldn't find someone else. Mm-hmm. But one time we were in the Bugaboos, and Scott was off doing the Becky Chenard, and I found a guy in the hut who wanted to go and do another climb, and he and I set out, and on the wrapping down our rope got stuck and I had to press it back up the rope in a waterfall and finally got back to the hut at about one in the morning. And our friend Ned, who was staying there said, Oh my God, I've been so worried about you. And I decided Mm. I don't pick up guys in huts anymore. So I have to say my main inspiration has been Scott. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. He's always encouraged me. He's pushed me. um, And he's always, always patient. He just never lost his temper with me. Even when I'm whining horribly, he doesn't lose his temper with me. So he's the best. Someone else, I would say, join a local mountaineering club. Mm-hmm. Um, if you live in Boulder, Colorado, or the California, or lots of places, Denver, they have mountaineering clubs. Join them. Join that mm-hmm. and find people who are competent and you feel safe going out with. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, no, those are books, read the books, read the books. Yeah. Yeah. Those are definitely some qualities of Scott. I think we, you would know more than all of us, but we've all seen his, his patience and kindness. So it's very good and a very good quality to look for in any mentor, really, you know? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, I can, I can't tell you how many times I have been somewhere climbing or doing something and there's a guy and with his girlfriend and he's, and he's an, First, he's he's impatient with her. Come on, mm-hmm. on, this would be really great. And then he gets mad at her. And mm-hmm. then one time we were climbing at Skaha, and there's a woman dro- lowering her boyfriend, and she's flirting with Scott, and she <laughs> dropped the boyfriend. 
Oh, no. He his wrist. <laughs> I was like, okay. So don't go climbing with that kind of guy, ladies. Pick ones that you trust and that you know will pay attention to you. Good, good wise words of advice. Really like good it. advice. <laughs> um, yeah, just kind of changing directions here a little bit. Um, one thing the viewers might not know is that Midge um, planned a trip with a group of, was it women, Midge, to, to climb women. Everest? Five yeah, women. five women to climb Everest. Can you just tell us a tiny bit about the heart of that trip? Sure. It was a sponsored trip. We were sponsored by Ford Motor Company because our captain um, was a relentless self-promoter. And she got Ford to sponsor our trip for their expedition, their new expedition vehicle. So it was it was an incredible trip. We spent nine days walking into base camp. It was a lovely nine days. We were it was leisurely, delightful, pleasant. And then we got to base camp, which um, I gotta say I think base camp sucks. Um, it's not it's not attractive. There's of course there's it's rocks, rocks and snow and ice, and that's all. But it was crowded even then 20 years ago with lots of people who were there to check it off. Hmm. That's why they were there. They didn't, it wasn't, didn't seem at all obvious to me that they love the mountains or respect the mountains or respect the Sherpa people who put their lives on the line every day to put the trip, put the line through the ice hole. Um, the Sherpa people are wonderful. Hmm. Our Sherpas, we had Sherpas in our group. And they built a stone enclosure so that we five women could go and pee in privacy. Oh, wow. And they loved, they loved doing that. They were laughing and singing and building this thing for us. And, and then they were so excited when we used it. So the Sherpa people are generous and giving and just wonderfully warm. Hmm. The climbers who have paid a lot of money to get there, I don't know. Hmm. Um, I don't really respect that kind of mountaineering. You can buy your way into a lot of things. And so there are people there who shouldn't be there, or don't deserve to be there. Mm -hmm. um, so that was that was a negative for me. Mm. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's an incredible place. I personally loved going through the ice fall because it was fun, because mm -hmm. there were some difficulties. And, and there was always the fixed line, which the Sherpas mm -hmm. had put in for us. And crossing the ladders, thrilling, always thrilling. Um, incredible then beyond that it just it's a matter of one foot in front of the other but but i think i think a lot of people go to everest because because it is everest because mm -hmm. it's there and because you'll impress your friends if you say well i've been to everest um i was diabetic at the time and it was sort of a novel experience for me to figure out okay how can i keep my insulin warm not so not frozen how can i inject if i'm part way up something that's a little difficult and i have a couple hands on my ice axis or one hand on my jumar so that was a challenge for me um mm -hmm. it's interesting when a lot of times when i i'm, I'm type 1 diabetic so i'm insulin dependent and i mm -hmm. i shoot i shoot insulin um mm -hmm. and when i am working really hard racing or climbing something like Everest, my blood sugar tends to skyrocket, which mm. is interesting because when it gets to a certain point, I hit the wall. I can't go on. I learned that in the last few years, ski racing, cross-country ski racing, when I would get to a point where 
oh, I have to stop. So that was that was a little difficult. It just made it a little more chancy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? What have I left? Yeah. I was I was gonna say part of Everest. Um, what I read was there was um, a, a component where you were trying to raise awareness for breast cancer. Um, well, I was the survival. Okay, token breast cancer diabetic grandmother. The five women. So, I mean, that wasn't my sole intention, but Mm -hmm. I think think that if I, I mean, I feel if I can do something, most people can do it. So if I can climb through the icefall, most people could climb through the icefall. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but but I don't think I'm all that special, really. And Midge, how, how long after breast cancer did you go on this trip? Well, I've had breast cancer twice. Okay. So my first bout was oh, probably 25 years ago. Um, okay. I had a lumpectomy. I, for those of any of you who are all five of you who are listening, um, <laughs> I've had I had a lumpectomy and then radiation. I have never had chemotherapy, hmm. and I I don't know viscerally what that's like, but I think it's dreadful, hideous. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had a recurrence. Mm, what, 15 years later? Um, and at that point, I said, okay, I'm done with this. So I had a bilateral mastectomy at the time, reconstruction at the same time, and I have never and I have never looked back. Hmm. So I've not had chemotherapy. I don't understand what that feels like, but I'm sure it's just the worst, the worst. Mm-hmm. Well, also amazing, too, how the, the fitness that you – retained and were motivated to pursue uh, despite diabetes and this breast cancer uh, two times. Um, Do you attribute that to anything kind of mentally or physically? What would be something you'd say to someone who has, who's going through, you know, either some sort of life altering illness or injury? Well, I think living with your coach really helps. (laughs) Yeah. I was living mm-hmm. with my coach, um, mm-hmm. but but I but I am so I am really lucky that I'm an optimist. So mm-hmm. even in the in even in the midst of all of that, I never felt despair when mm-hmm. I was di- first diagnosed with breast cancer and then with diabetes. I had a cry fest for about half an hour, and then I thought I can't do this. This will worry mm-hmm. Scott too much. So get over it, Midge. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I, and I would move on. Um, so I'm I'm really lucky again that I I'm an optimist and I I don't get burdened down by depression, but I would say for anybody who's entering a difficult phase, just diagnosed with breast cancer, diagnosed with diabetes, it's not the end of your life. Mm-hmm. And when I was diagnosed with diabetes, and I thought, what the hell? How can this be? And then I thought, well, okay, then, but I'm not going to let it get in my way. Yeah. So sometimes it's a pest. And I have to pay attention, but I think you have to recognize that it's not the end of your life. And mm-hmm. it maybe maybe it's a bump in the road, maybe a big bump in the road, but it's a bump in the road, and you will get beyond that, and you can mm-hmm. get beyond that. And truly, if if anybody wants ever to talk to me about either of those breast cancer or diabetes, I'm happy to talk. Truly, mm-hmm. really wonderful. Yeah, know that. That is uh, very kind of you, and I'm sure if anyone is listening, they they might reach out. So that's good. Yeah, truly. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I just uh, want to say, you saying, well, if I can do it, anyone can. I don't know, Midge. You are you are a force to be reckoned with. Right, maybe not anyone, but <laughs> but many. I mean, I'm I'm honestly, I am not that special. I'm lucky that I am pretty sturdy, so yeah. I can I can go a long way and. You know, I did ski on the marathon ski team. I mean, the Solomon ski marathon ski teams. I never won, but I could go the distance and I would do pretty well for my age category. So just because you're not a star doesn't mean you can't pretend you're, you're one or just go and do something that you maybe didn't think you could do. I think mm -hmm. that's such a valuable perspective that we don't hear much in the athletic community. We like to pay attention to the stars and not the people who are just doing it and i i know you say you might not be special i think you're very special so this leads me into my question about what is your secret to crushing it well into your 70s and for the audience to know midge will still go out and do 20 30 tra mile trail runs she was in a schema race this winter i'm sure she has other races and trips planned i know of one already yes. What are your tips for athletes your age or younger who wish to accomplish you know the lifestyle and goals you are Still doing well. Well, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about schemo because Kylie, yeah. Yeah. those of you who don't know, is an internationally ranked schemo mm -hmm. star. She placed fourth in the Pyramenta, which those of you who don't know is a multi-stage, multi-day, incredible race. Really scary places. Oh my God! When I saw the films of where you were running along these scamp, uh, skimpy ridges, I just thought I could never, I could never do that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it reminds me of Formula One. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who are not familiar with Formula One, I love Formula One. I just okay. love to watch it. I mean, ne I would never go in person, but I love to watch it. And I particularly like the pit crews. And mm -hmm. for those of you who haven't seen Formula One, these are guys, they're, they are, these guys are fit, they're strong, and they know what to do. And so here comes the car into the pit lane. I don't know how fast it's coming in, very fast. And in three three seconds, they can change all four tires, and then the car's gone. And that reminds me of schema racing because when you, transitions, when you are taking off your skins or putting your skins back on, that's a transition. Mm -hmm. And a few years ago in Washington, where Scott and I used to live, uh, one of our friends, Sam Naney, put on a schema race at the local ski hill. Loop loop. Hmm. I thought, well, why not? How bad can it be? Um, so I went out there and started up the hill, and people are zooming by me as fast as they can. And I get to the top, whereas typically one takes off one's climbing skins and heads down. And there was our friend Seth, who is a coach for Evoke Endurance. And Seth and I greeted each other, and I'm chatting with Seth and take my pack off and peel my skin change my jacket and then I said oh I guess I should be going I should go so I went down and that was my entire schema race as one once up and once down guys were doing it multiple times mm -hmm. so then this winter now that we are living in Red Lodge Montana which has Red Lodge Mountain right out of our door there was another schema race that was scheduled for February and I thought why not how bad can it be but I could do just the vertical part, which is about two plus miles, 2,000 feet vertical up. And then I could stay there. I could stop there, take my skins off at my leisure, put them in my pack, and then ski down 
at my own time and not get any into any of the scary, difficult, double black diamond downhills and the transitions and the booting up. And so I started training for that because I thought, how bad could it be? And I think that that, that's been one of my bywords. How bad could it be? Hmm. And it actually wasn't bad at all. And as it turned out, I was the among I, what there were a hundred and something contestants in the whole schema race. I was the only skier over 60 years old. Wow. Now that is pathetic. And I have already started recruiting some older women to do next year. And they have promised me they will. They're gonna, there's going to be a troop of us next year at this same race. So I think, I think it's a matter of looking at it thinking, how bad could it be? Mm -hmm. generally mm -hmm. it's not as bad as you think it could be mm -hmm. although that brings me to one time when my friend d d and i there's my friend who lives in washington she and i were hikers they were we were hiking buddies and we like to go pretty fast and we were finished we, we'd gone about 25 miles into a hike run in the sawtooth mountains when i caught my toe and landed on my shoulder and then skidded along on my forearm. Mm -hmm. And it was just gross. It was bleeding mm -hmm. copiously and bits of skin were hanging off and poor Dee was horrified. And I said, don't worry, we're, we're gonna come to a creek shortly and, and I'll wash it and then it'll be fine. And it still was horrendous looking. So um, on the way home, I'm thinking, oh, Scott is not going to be happy about this. <laughs> and sure enough, when I walked in the door and said, well, I, I did have a little problem and I held my arm up and he said his 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 exact words were Jesus Christ Midge you cannot go out anymore <laughs> that was that so sometimes yeah. it can be as bad as you think it could be but even that you know I have all of us another scar for the rest of my life but so what mm -hmm. yeah I like that attitude even when you said and I was the only one over 60 and that's pathetic. It's, it's, um, you know, instead of being like, Oh, it, it's amazing that I'm just out here doing it. You, you're kind of calling out other people your age. And, um, yes. I think that that's part of your, your success actually. I think as you're aging is, is the expectation you put on yourself. It's like, yes, I can do this. And, and that's, that's neat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and instead, of saying, instead of saying oh no or well why you say why not yeah why not mm -hmm. why not mm -hmm. it's never too late to start it's kind of the message exactly. i'm hearing and i love i love that you're rallying a whole community i mean in washington i know you were the leader of many groups and got lots of people out and it's really great to see you're doing the same thing in montana so the community's lucky to have you you're very well, you know, I, I love women. I love being around women. I love doing things with women. And the dry land, the, in the fall, in the Meadow Valley, a bunch of us women would go out and do dry land training, which is basically mm -hmm. uphill hiking with ski poles. And it was mm -hmm. so much fun. We had mm -hmm. a great time. Yeah. And I think that, you know, women can support one another in that way. And it mm -hmm. wasn't competitive. We weren't trying to see who was the fastest. And it wasn't only a social outing. It was a combination, mm -hmm. but it was really fun. Mm -hmm. And I think women could and should do more of that. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of, um, of 
people in their 70s, uh, Midge, their joints, uh, especially if they've been active for a long time, uh, knees and shoulders and elbows and all these things tend to wear out. Do you have any, um, did you do anything in particular that you can think of that you uh, think might have helped just with your physical longevity? I know the mental side is there, but your body obviously can hold up to 30 mile runs still. So well, starting out as a kid in New Hampshire in the White Mountains, very uh, hiking very steeply and doing it a lot, mm-hmm. um, I got used to that. I don't think I wouldn't want to do a downhill run because I think that's hard. That would be hard on my knees. Mm-hmm. My shoulder was crabby this fall, and so I went and got a shot in my shoulder, which was mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Woo. and it yeah. was amazing. <laughs> it's been great. Yeah. So yeah. It's, still, it's still okay. So mm-hmm. there are mitigation ways to to cope with our bodies getting a little more worn and a little more tired mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i would yeah. say don't stop mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah you wait. just need a, a bigger formula one pit crew yes <laughs> <laughs> you gotta watch formula one it's very inspiring i mean yeah mm-hmm. yeah um that kind of piggy tails into another question we had for you um if you could sort of reflect and tell your younger self something in regards to either health, longevity, or mountain pursuits, um, what uh, what would be something that you would say to yourself um, or to a viewer that is younger who uh, is, you know, maybe in their 30s or something? Mm-hmm. Start. Start now. Start mm-hmm. right away. Don't wait. Do not wait until some magical date in your life or some magical event or some magical milestone in your life. So don't say, well, when I get to be 30, then I'll know it's important. Start now and mm-hmm. um, and pat yourself on the back for doing it. And do not allow our, what is our, what is our culture? Our, our iPhone, our cell phone culture, our, our, our social media culture. Don't go, don't go there. Just mm. get out. That's mm. what I would say. Mm. I mean, I was lucky that there weren't cell phones when I was a kid, so I was never tempted. But yeah. now when I when I travel, I see everybody just gazing at their hands. Mm. And it, to me, it's very dismaying. I mean, mm. what's going to happen? What's going to happen when you're 70 years old if you have not pushed yourself earlier on mm. and, mm-hmm. and gotten outside? I think I think it's not. It's not, I'm not, I am not optimistic about that. Mm-hmm. No, awesome advice. I, that's, that's so great. Yeah. Just, just start. And, and now is the time if you have a goal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a really impressive goal. It can be, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm leaving for Italy in what, five days for a bike trip. I have, it's snowing. It is snowing now again. <laughs> And mm-hmm. we haven't had spring here yet, so I have not been outside on my bike. And mm-hmm. I think, well, how bad can it be? <laughs> Back to that mindset. I love it. Okay. Is there anything, I mean, training-wise, just a quick training question, anything you would have done differently as far as, like, your, yeah, progression or anything through your life that you look back and you're like, oh, I wish I had applied this training methodology or I wish I had done more strength training or anything like that? Well, I would say for now, from for for anybody who is who is at all getting older, 
strength training. You mm-hmm. have to do it. Yeah. Too many of my women friends, very few of my women friends go in the gym. In mm-hmm. fact, can I think of any? One, two. Um, and they, oh, they have all kinds of excuses. Oh, I don't like the gym. Oh, there's guys in there. Whatever. Get over it. Get in the gym because if you don't have strong, if you don't have a strong body and strong joints and strong limbs, if you fall down, it's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a very good friend here in Montana who just got a new knee, what, mm-hmm. two months ago? And mm-hmm. he is not in the gym. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And so what's going to happen to him when he wants yeah. to get skiing next year? Because he's a, he has been a very, very, very good skier. Who knows? So I guess, I mean, I didn't do upper body strength training for a long time, but I, but I was climbing and, and so doing that. But I would say always strength training is super important. I'm going to say especially for women, although I, I'm not really sure that's true. But I think a lot of women let themselves out of it, keep themselves out of it by, by oh, we don't, I don't want to get big muscles. I don't want, mm-hmm. I don't want to be in the gym. I don't want to, you know, all the I don't want us. Um, mm-hmm. I would say do it. And the older you get, the more important it is for you to do it. Because mm-hmm. once you lose it, it'll be hard to get it back. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, my last question, I think this is our last, Kylie. Am I? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Pretty much, it's, you're impressive and inspiring. And I just, it's amazing to see how goal-driven you are through your whole athletic career and hearing about it. Do you have any other, I know you're going to Italy, any other events or trips or races coming up you want to share? Well, <laughs> funny you should ask. There is a race where we live in Red Lodge here, the Beartooth Highway goes over the Beartooth Pass at 11,000 feet. And there is a 10-kilometer race up at the pass oh. this summer. And I thought, I'll do it. Why not? How bad yeah. could it be? And it really could be, it could be really tough. I mean, at 11,000 feet, mm-hmm. sure. But yeah. I, I will sign up and do it because why not? Because why not? Really? Yeah. yeah. Scott and I are going to go to... Um, Switzerland this September and do a multi-day hut-to-hut running, hiking trip. Wow. We did the Tour de Mont Blanc a few years ago and had just a great time doing that. So we'll do we'll go someplace this September um, and go to Switzerland because the Alps are just great. So let me just say one one last thing about about maintaining a positive attitude is to be grateful. Hmm. And sometimes that's really hard because we can focus on all the crap in our lives and now everything is this and that and the other. But just this morning, I was out with our dog, Hank, running in on the hills just east of town. And it's kind of clay there. And so clay was building up on my shoes and I began to get annoyed at that and having to scrape them off every 10 seconds and thinking, look. And then I saw a bluebird. Hmm. And I thought, okay, so there you have it. Yeah. Yep. I lovely. love that. Yeah. So positive. Yeah, lo- lots of wisdom. Thanks, Mitch. Yeah.